Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Start of a new week on the Believe Broadcast Network, and it's our Believe in Blazers podcast. As we start a new week, we update every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Wednesday, we're going to have the outstanding sideline reporter and pre post postgame host for Blazers Television, Brooke Olsendam, on the program. But today, we have a chance to uh, talk to somebody who's been a fixture at uh, Blazers home games for 25 seasons now. I'm speaking of the voice of Moda Center. He also catches Zach Daly with his talk show on KEX Radio during the middays. Speaking of Mark Mason. Mace, how are you, sir? Very good. I gladly switch with Brooke Olsendam so we can listen to her now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if this were a visual podcast, we certainly would want to have uh, Brooke on versus you and I anytime. But, uh, but, it's, <laughs> but it's just audio, so, so they get to enjoy your dulcet tones, and, and as many people have now for 25 seasons. And we want to talk about the weekend that was because uh, it features something that had not, not, not been a part of Blazer home games so far this season. But we want to tell everybody, first of all, that uh, our uh, – Podcast is brought to you in part by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today. You'll receive 50% as a welcome bonus off on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Again, Bet Online, B E T O N L I N E.ag, to uh, sign up today, receive 50% as a welcome bonus on your very first deposit. All right, let's um, talk to Mace now. As we said, weekdays on KEX Radio, PA voice of Moda Center, formerly the uh, Rose Garden, of course, for 25 seasons now. I know that, first of all, Mason, I know people that have followed your career for uh, Lily's many years uh, would be curious, first of all, because you've had a few challenges in this area that you've made very public, as so people have kind of uh, been able to share uh, your pursuits to, uh, to greater health. So please update everyone on what your health is today. Oh my, my goodness. Uh, this will take up the whole podcast. I'm afraid. Here, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, you know, this can go back to five years ago when I had the blood clot in my, uh, in my, you know, my abdomen and, and the, uh, the, the fact that it almost lost my leg and the miracles that doctors performed to save it. And then it was pretty quiet for a few years, but along the way, they realized my heart was uh, in need of some repair. So I had open heart surgery this past October, which led to complications and almost heart failure. And just when I got better and started cardio rehab, which was difficult to do because of COVID, right? Everything's closed. Right, in the city. Right. So I did cardio rehab on my own. I had my, I made my own home program. I went on the internet, learned about cardio rehab, the, uh, you know, the, the exercises that you should do to get your heart rate 20 above your resting rate and work up from there, man, I was doing great. And then I had a gallbladder attack that, you know, for all the re wrong reasons, they had to wait to uh, do surgery on that. And while they waited, the thing just, you know, went completely south and poisoned my body. And then when I got uh, when I got well from that, uh, they went into repair uh, uh, just a little bit that they hadn't uh, hadn't gotten to. And that gave me sepsis. And then I was in the hospital for another seven days. So I was in the hospital until, until like 25 days uh, since last October. And let me tell you, wow. it's no fun. No. 25 <laughs> days of them sticking needles in you every two hours. And 
Uh, and I'm still not out of the woods yet. So I've, I still have a couple of more minor procedures to go through. Uh, there'll be day procedures, thankfully, but that's what they said about the last one that ended up in seven days in the hospital. But, you know, nobody likes to hear a guy complain, but man, I mean, I've got a long list of things I can complain about. <laughs> and I think you're entitled to, I mean, because uh, you're somebody that was a, a fixture, a model of consistency, uh, answering oh, yeah. the call every time there was a Blazer home game. So it, it had to feel very weird to not only, uh, be uh, ensconced in the hospital uh, as many times as you had to to take care of these problems, but knowing that you were missing games in the process. Oh, man. Wheels, you know, during that 900 and some odd game streak I had, which was, you know, almost a thousand games, I was looking forward to hit a thousand consecutive games without missing one. I would get a cold or I would, you know, I wouldn't feel right. My throat, I get laryngitis. But somehow, you know, I get to the motor center, I drink hot water, or do some crazy thing, a throat spray that would get me to the intros. And once I got through the intros, my voice would miraculously, you know, appear for three or four hours. But by the next morning, it was hoarse again. You know, I'd miss the radio show. But, uh, you know, so I, I managed to answer the bell all those times. And I thought I could do it again this time. I even told the doctors that, you know, what if, what if you guys could wheel me down to a uh, courtside, I could just do the game and I'll come right back. <laughs> uh, they would have nothing of that uh, these days. And I'm, I'm glad they, I'm glad they didn't, uh, you know, because you know, my, your health is the most important thing and I want to keep doing this for, for a while yet. So, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, thankfully you're, you're back uh, at the mic and you just finished a weekend. Uh, seeing back-to-back home wins over the Lakers and the Spurs, those games included the return of fans to Moda Center, at least to 10% of capacity. What was it like to experience uh, folks back in the stands again? Well, first of all, this season has been so bizarre because of of no fans and all the COVID protocols, which are still in effect, uh, by the way, all the, the COVID testing that, that you have to do. If you're going to be on the floor of the Moda Center, you, you have to go through a lot of, of COVID protocols and two tests before every game. And then you get in and uh, seating as far apart, you're six feet away from everybody. You wear a little badge that blinks if you come within six feet of somebody. So you're really practicing social distancing like, like we all should be doing right during this time of COVID. But at the same time, you know, there are no fans in there. And I, as I did my part each game, I would always picture the fans sitting on a couch in front of a TV or, or in a car listening on the radio. So I always felt there were fans listening. And, and so that was how I mentally approached this thing. Uh, and then we added the, the fake noise in the background, the, uh, the, the crowd to give the arena a feel that there was a game going on for television audiences and there were times, honestly, I thought if, if I was looking down at the court and seeing nothing else, I thought there are fans here. So they did an amazing job recreating that, recreating those moments. But when the announcement was made that we'd have real fans in there Friday against the Lakers, I don't think I was prepared for what eventually happened. And that was, uh, you look up into the Moda Center and, it, few fans are up there that you could see, you know, behind the lights. And I said, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the beautiful Motor Center for tonight's game between the Los Angeles Lakers. And the booze rained down. <laughs> you know, they rained down from above. And I, I went, whoa, 
you know, they said there's like 1,900 fans here, but it sounded like 20,000. It sounded like a full house. They were so into it. And then I said, and your Portland Trailblazers. And they blew it up. I mean, they were just absolutely amazing. <laughs> and when the players ran out on the court, I don't think they were expecting it either because they're back in the locker room. They're working out. They're talking to coach. They're getting their pregame uh, uh, done. And they come down the, uh, the tunnel to the court. And we say, now, welcome your Blazers. And the fans lit it up again. And I think the players were genuinely shocked. You should have seen the smiles on their faces. I've been looking for a video of it from my angle. I wish I'd taken a, a video of it. I, I had no clue how elated they were and how uh, they were like children at Christmas. When they came out and their eyes got wide and they got uh, really excited about that. And they threw their sweats into a pile at center court and they, they, uh, they played to the crowd. They, they were listening, you know, saying, give us more, give us more. And that really set the tone for the night. And I got to say, I don't cry often, uh, but uh, that is a time I'll remember that I, my, my eyes actually welled up with, uh, with a couple of tears because you, uh, you, you realized all of a sudden that moment, Wheels, that we'd been through 14 months without human interaction in that place. And we've been spending the last year avoiding other humans and, and except for close friends and family. And all of a sudden here, you, you, you realize the human interaction that was so badly missed was here with us again. And it just, it, it just channeled through your body and giving you energy and strength. And this is what's yet to come if, uh, if, if for everybody in their lives, whatever it may be. There'll be that moment where you have the epiphany that we're coming back from from this COVID lockdown. We know that some of this is uh, dependent on hopefully no uh, spike in, uh, in in cases and that everybody's doing their best to get the uh, vaccinations and so forth to keep this virus away once and for all. But uh, have you heard whispers internally about uh, the possibility of maybe getting even more folks in the stands uh, come playoff time? Absolutely heard nothing. It's all up to the governor. And mm -hmm. I think we were lucky to have the governor reverse course and allow this. But I think, uh, and these are no whispers that I've heard. Uh, I think, though, if the team can continue to demonstrate that they practice safe protocols, and uh, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of protocols the fans have to uh, jump through, a lot of hoops they have to jump through to get into the arena and to get to their seats and sit in only specific seats and and when you can take off your mask to eat, all, all that kind of stuff. But if we can continue to demonstrate that, I would think that, uh, that when the time comes to make the decision to up the number of people yet, that it would be an easy yes. During the pandemic, it's really funny, I joke about this on the radio show, because you know, as I go into the Motor Center during, during times when there are no fans, park my car i had to i had to go in at a certain time at night you know the players are always first so they would go come in and park and get into their locker room so they wouldn't be exposed to anybody then uh, then the the floor staff would start coming in right around 5 30 and i would park my car they would check my clearance uh they would uh, hand me the little badge that tracks me make sure i'm wearing a mask uh, then I then I go up the ramp and go through a security machine. And as I'm walking into the motor center near the security uh, office, right near the loading dock, the there's a breeze coming out of that thing like tunnel, like a wind tunnel. And they had 
airflow, the, this new airflow system that was just pushing air around inside that arena because air movement is very important in, in keeping COVID from landing and staying in one place. And it was like you were walking into a, a pressurized building. Your hair would fly back and everything else. <laughs> and uh, and then you get inside and it's it's kind of cold because they leave some of the doors open and they're pulling air from outside. But uh, between that and then every few feet is a is a sanitizer for your hands and spray bottles. You can spray down where you're going to eat, spray down where you're going to sit, spray down the microphone, spray down. Everybody has those things. And I would joke to my wife and I told my listeners on the air, I felt safer at Moda Center than I did at home. <laughs> I mean, and that's the truth. And that is the absolute truth because you had all those things there for you. So, uh, you know, they were made available. So I, I think the season has been pretty successful on that front, I would think. It's our Believe in Blazers podcast for this Monday, the start of the week. Brian Wheeler with the VA voice of Moda Center, Mark Mason. We mentioned, Mace, that uh, you've been that model of consistency over the years. I'm curious if you've, uh, felt that there's much, been much of a change in your PA role as the seasons have progressed? Mm, that's a good question. And no, I don't think so. I, I, you know, I'd listened back to somebody sent me some tapes of introducing Damon Stoudemire from years ago. And I thought, who is that guy doing that? I don't recognize <laughs> him. Uh, but I think just as time changes, maybe you, your style changes and your style adapts to the team to the situation to the arena to the fans and i've never tried to be over the top over the years because everybody's heard announcers whether it's in the nba or anywhere else that come out and just get into your grill right off the top and you know you're going 100 miles an hour while you're just sitting down having a hot dog pregame and you know, those, those kind of things, uh, that's just not me. I like to put myself into a fan's seat and look at it from their perspective. So I, I kind of start out, you know, just uh, medium. Uh, and then as we build up to the intros, you, you give it a little more uh, emphasis. And of course, the intros are the, the big event of the night. So, uh, you know, that's where you give it your all. And then after that, it's it's just kind of the temperature of the room, you know, how the team's playing, how the opposition's playing. You know, I never like to give the opposition any props. You know, when when somebody makes a basket, I've, I've told a story about Kobe Bryant, who when he was here in town at a at a, at a personal appearance, I ran into him and I introduced myself and he goes, oh, you're the guy. And I said, what do you mean? You're the guy. And he goes, he goes, yeah, well, when Rasheed Wallace makes a basket, you go, Rasheed Wallace. But when I make a basket, you go, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly couldn't think that you were the only announcer, PA announcer of the league that uh, was like that, though. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, and, and I, I, I find it interesting when when I would travel with the team, how often uh, and and how frequent uh, teams around the league would seem to want their PA announcers to be almost more of a cheerleader, more than a source of information. And and I always thought yeah. it was nice that the Blazers apparently never asked you to do that. And as you say, it would have been something that you wouldn't have felt comfortable with anyway. You know, it, it, they, it's interesting, Wheels. For 25 years, they have never, ever come to me and said, you know, we should do it this way. Uh, I mean, I've had a couple of suggestions. Uh, I mean, maybe two or three over 25 years. And, and I've, I've kind of uh, woven them into what I've done, you know, at that time. But nobody came to me and said, you need to be more of a cheerleader. 
or you need to be less of a cheerleader. Uh, no, it's I've, I've always thought that that, you know, when when things are picking up, that's when your voice picks up when the team's on a run. You know, that's when you that's when you get excited when they get uh, get the lead. It's Blazers lead Blazers lead. So and then even picking that time, you know, I don't want to do that the third quarter because anything can happen in the third and fourth quarter. I like to save it for the fourth quarter, but sometimes I've rolled it out in the third quarter because, you know, we've come from 20 down or whatever. And it just, you know, that's when the fans, you got to remind the fans. Uh, I just, I'm there to kind of like maybe, you know, illuminate. This is a moment, everybody. This is a turning point perhaps in the game. And uh, we all need to be in this. More with Mason in a moment, a uh, beautiful week ahead weather-wise. In fact, uh, I think we'll be hitting close to 80 by Wednesday and no rain in sight. That's a good thing. It means summer is ahead. It means we'll be wearing our sunglasses uh, a lot more often. And if you've got a pair of sunglasses that just hasn't been very reliable for you, well, I think you might want to try out uh, some that I got a, a hold of recently. Uh, Canaan is the, uh, is the way you pronounce the sunglasses. It's, it's spelled K-A-E-N-O-N. Uh, and uh, it's a way to make your outdoor experiences better. Uh, Canaan sunglasses made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and they've got Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. So if you want to take advantage uh, of these beautiful sunglasses, use the exclusive code CanonCast15. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. At Canon.com, you'll receive 15% off on your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T and the number 15, Canaan, clearly better. Sunglasses, I'm sure, you're going to enjoy. We continue with uh, the voice of Moda Center, Mark Mason here on this Believe in Blazers podcast for a Monday. Arvita Sabonis, my all-time favorite player that you have put your personal stamp on introducing. Uh, was he the first that you incorporated a player's native language in your introduction? Oh. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And he's one of my all time favorites as well. He was a lot of fun to to introduce and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, I can't even tell you when uh, when the idea came to me to do his intro in his native language. I think that before my first year, I would be doing kind of stunts over at KEX in the afternoons uh, with with the Blazers pregame. And we had some words printed on cards with the KEX logo on it, distributed in the arena with like J-E-G-A, Yega. Remember that? And Yega was Arvita's personal word, and it meant power. So, you know, whenever he made a basket or something like that, I'd say Yega, like that. Uh, and just tried to, you know, do some of those things. And and in talking with him one day, I said, gee, what, what, you know, would you be interested in me doing your your introduction in Lithuanian. And he said, sure. And I went and got a big Lithuanian dictionary and went through the whole thing and <laughs> talked to Lithuanians. And I, I even, at some point, it was so difficult to translate. I just asked him, say these words to me, you know, whatever it says, seven, one, uh, however many, however tall he was. Uh, you know, a center from Lithuania, Arvidas Sabonis. And that's where he just said it and I recorded it. So I phonetically, phonetically use that. And that's what I do now for, for all the others, for all the others I've had in the past. Uh, Ennis Cantor and, uh, and of course, Yusuf Nurkic. And Nurk came up to me the other day and goes, I want to change it. I want to change it. 
And I said, what? And he, and he says, yeah, he, uh, he gave me the, I said, you got to say it in my microphone. So I took my phone out and he said it. And it, it basically, the new introduction for Nurk uh, goes something like at setter, whatever height he is, the, uh, the kid from Bosnia, uh, the kid from Tuzla, Bosnia, uh, Herzegovina, number 27, Yusuf Nurkic. So I like I like yeah, it. he wants, yeah, he just, uh, he just wants to throw back to, uh, you know, to his home country. And that's fine with me. Sure. Now, lots of players, we don't have nicknames. Uh, over the years, have you ever talked to a player to ensure that maybe you're using a nickname that they, they truly like? Always, mm-hmm. always, always, man. When I, when Rodney Hood came in, I said, uh, do you have a nickname? Hoodie. Boom. That's stuck. That's easy. That's, you know, that's glue. Uh, Wesley Matthews, Iron Man. That was one that he he rolled out and i don't want to say i was reluctant to use it but you know it just it, it didn't fit the wesley matthews profile that i think the fans knew right then but as the season went on and this guy would get beat up and thrown to the floor and everything else i started throwing out iron man and he he was really really enjoying it and then the game ops crew would get the iron man theme so when he made a when he made a three, I'd go Iron Man. They play the Iron Man chords behind all that for three, and so he really embraced that. Absolutely loved it. And I got to tell you, when the Lakers were in town uh, just the other night, uh, uh, Wesley came up to me and gives me a fist bump, you know, stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> I've had players come up to me and said, "I miss your intros." <laughs> nice. Like That's that. a nice compliment right there. Yeah, it, it is really. Now, of course, from a unique standpoint, never had an NBA player been introduced with a letter as opposed to a number until you called out Damien with the letter O. I'm not sure everybody knows how that came about. Yeah, that, uh, well, I, I saw a story where Dame choose, uh, chose the letter O because he was in Ogden. Uh, he's or originates from Oakland and went to Ogden, Utah, and now is in Oregon. So he figured out, you know what, this is just kind of a, a reminder of my roots. And I remember talking to him as a rookie. I said, gee, you know what? Would you mind being introduced as the letter O? And I, I think he said, let me think about it for a day. And then uh, he came back and he just goes, yeah, let's do that. And it stuck, you know, and, even, and it, it stuck enough that he even did a song or an album called The Letter O. So uh, it is interesting to, uh, to call him out by that. Nobody else goes by that. Well, no. these days, so nobody else can by right. go by that. But I think it, I think it's pretty cool. That, it that, is uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now you've never been anything close to an antagonistic PA announcer. We know there are some out there in sports, but have you ever said anything that um, maybe rubbed an opposing player or coached oh. the wrong way? Oh my gosh! Oh, are you kidding me? Yes. Uh, sadly, I could go on. Uh, one was a referee that uh, I got upset, and uh, I, and the reason was. He made a call on the floor and I said, you know, fouls on so-and-so, you know, second. And then the game ops crew had a little wild track of Sean's going unbelievable in, in, in the Seanly <laughs> voice. Right. And we used to throw that in, you know, maybe once a game, once every other game, it, it, it didn't happen often, but it just sounded like me, I guess, when it happened, the referee was completely across the floor. And he just made a beeline. He made a beeline over to my microphone. And he's sticking his finger in my face 
yelling at me. How dare you? How dare you, uh, you know, call out the referees? This is not your job. Your job is to help us do this. And I had no idea what he was talking about because as I'm doing my, th- I don't hit that button that says unbelievable. That's somebody else. All right. the sound effects you hear, that's not me. You know, that's somebody else. That's uh, from, from game ops, uh, <laughs> JJ, who sits up with Todd and, and, and that was the most innocent thing you'd ever do because we, we've always used it. And I had no clue what he was talking about. Honestly, it took till the next day when somebody figured it out. Maybe they watched the tape a bit or whatever, say, oh, that was the, the tape of, of Shanley saying unbelievable. And they had to, I mean, they had to call the referees and, and tell them what happened and say, we're sorry and we won't do that again. Uh, another time. I uh, had uh, announced uh, a flagrant foul on DeMarcus Cousins, and that was inadvertent, too. <laughs> and so they gave me his number from the floor, and uh, this is when he was with Sacramento, I think. But either way, I said flagrant foul, foul uh, DeMarcus Cousins, and then all hell broke loose on the visitor's bench, and he was coming after me. He was coming down the bench to, to come to me and, and his players, his, his teammates were holding him back and, you know, he was just sticking his neck out and there were veins out there. And I, I was going like, you know, Oh my God, I got him upset. And then the referee again runs to me. I mean, runs across the court. It was, it's kind of hilarious talking about it now, but he comes up to me and then verbally says, no, 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 no. It wasn't him. It wasn't six. It was 16 or something like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't DeMarcus. So uh, I, I made the announcement, uh, you know, and, ch- and changed the call, but that's a little scary with, uh, yeah. with that, that big guy, you know, wanting to come down and uh, I don't know what he would have done with my microphone. <laughs> now, once you take your seat at court side, of course, uh, you're pretty anchored uh, once the game gets underway. Uh, yeah. Has there ever been an instance when, Nature was calling, but your job as PA announcer was calling too? Yeah, well, the, the, many times, but the one I remember was, uh, and you might remember that four overtime affair. I think it was against Phoenix. I can't remember who we were playing. Yeah. Uh, but it was four overtimes. And and I had just at halftime, it was one of those nights where my throat was not quite 100% there. So at halftime, I went and just downed some coffee to get some you know, heat on that thing. So I must have had two cups of coffee before the game, two cups of coffee at halftime. And now we're getting into the fourth quarter and I'm starting to think like, okay, you know, uh, I'm getting a little squirmy here. You know, <laughs> the fourth quarter, five minutes left, we'll make it. Goes into overtime. You know, the adrenaline of overtime kind of makes me forget about it. Then if there's second overtime. And then there comes the third overtime. And now that's all I can think about. And I'm thinking like, here we go to that. You know, it's coming down to the wire again in the third overtime. And boom, somebody makes a basket. I think it was Sabas made a three or whatever. Sends it into a fourth overtime. And I was going like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. (laughs) But yes, I made it through the fourth overtime. But I was never so thankful a game ended. But of all the nights for it to happen, right? A four overtime affair. Now, all these years, uh, you've also had your day job as host of your own talk show. Sometimes you've been solo. Sometimes you've had a partner. Uh, but in general, has this provided some kind of a balance to your PA work? 
Oh no, no, they're completely different. Oh, okay. I, I think I I don't even I don't even tie them together uh, because the radio show has evolved over the many years I've been on the air. I missed twenty five years here in Portland. Brian, I remember when I had you in the studio when you first got hired. You and I, I were remember, chatting. Yeah. And I, yeah, we talked about movies and all those cool things and just uh, you know I, I remember it so clearly. And, you know, that was kind of an entertainment show. Then, you know, over time, uh, Dave Anderson joined me. We had Mark and Dave, which were the greatest years of my radio life. It was just absolutely fantastic. And then we lost Dave to pancreatic cancer. You know, you got to move on. You got to forge on, and, you know, working solo. Uh, you know, the format changes a little bit. The, the fabric of, of America changes and you're in a very politicized environment where people are choosing sides and things like that. And I'm on a station that is talking about that all the time. And I, I really, you know, I really try and soften the blows that people get from listening to radio these days. Uh, so uh, it's nothing like public address announcing at all. Uh, I don't really tie the two together. Uh, because they are something completely different. When I get to the Moda Center, it's like uh, you know, an oasis for me. It's so different than doing a radio show. Uh, Damien, as we know, ended a playoff series against Houston with a buzzer beater in a game six back in 2014 in the midst of the on-court celebration that followed. You gave him the PA microphone where he bellowed out the words Rip City to thunderous applause from the folks that were still in their seats uh, or actually standing at that time at the motor center that obviously wasn't planned. Uh, how did that come about between Dame and you? Well, okay. He hits that shot and the crowd is as loud as you'll ever hear it at motor center. It gets to the point where it's white noise in your head, right? Your, your ears, your brain cannot process that sound. So it's just like static. And it, it was at a, it maintained at a 10 or an 11 that whole time. And I remember telling Todd on my headphones, Todd's the game operations director. And I remember telling Todd, I said, these people are going to tear the seats out of here. They're going to start taking them home as souvenirs. This is absolutely amazing. And, and Damien was talking to somebody at center court. I think he was doing a little TV interview. And I said, I'm going to try and get Damien's attention to have him come over here to the microphone. Maybe he'll say something. And, uh, and I said, if he, if I said, if he doesn't, these people will never leave. Uh, this is insane. And so he turned to walk back to the locker room and his security guy was next to him. He saw me because I held out the microphone, like, do you want to say something? Because it was an incredibly special moment that we, that, that team had been playoff starved, you know, you know, for yeah. however many years, man, and 14 the, years, 14 years. And so, uh, he bumped Dane, uh, tapped Dame on the shoulder and pointed to me and Dame just turned on a dime right to me like he like this was in a script. And he grabbed my microphone. That's when he turned around and goes, the two words that live in infamy you know, mm -hmm. for, for him, Rip City. And then the crowd really went nuts. Then it was, you know, <laughs> it was like, oh, my God. But it, you know what? It gave them uh, an exclamation point. It gave them uh, you know, a closure for that game that they could stand down and go home now because uh, otherwise I I'm just not sure anybody would have left that place. I'll leave you with asking about some favorites. Uh, first might be uh, uh, the game you just described as a candidate for this. Uh, do you have an all-time favorite Blazers 
home game that you were involved with? Oh gosh, wheels. Um, there, there are, there are too many, but that one, and, and, and you know what? I, I gotta say that one would go first. The second would be the, the shot over Paul George, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, which was another incredible moment. I mean, and Damian Lillard, how do you describe those kind of moments in, in, in Blazers history? Uh, and, uh, so those are the those are probably the top two right there uh, that uh, that I can that I can point to and say God, I'm glad I was there. That four overtime game was something though too. I don't think we won that one either, but that was amazing. Uh, of course, we won the four overtime game with Denver for years ago. Yeah, we so won that, that but we won that in Denver, I think. So didn't we? No, no, that was seven. here. That was here. That was that game was here. game okay. six, yeah. uh, leading to yeah. the game seven. Or, yeah, see, but yeah. uh, the. Um, um, now he would certainly be a candidate to this, the answer to this question. But do you have an all-time favorite Blazers player, Damian, or or somebody else that you've had the pleasure of watching, uh, all the great ones that you've had uh, to to uh, uh, to pick from over the years? See, this is unfair to all the other guys because they're they're all you know good in their in their ways. Uh, Sabas was absolutely amazing. Uh, Rashid was a conundrum, but so talented. Loved doing his intro loved doing it mm-hmm. uh lamarcus aldridge one of my favorite intros just loved doing him the l train and then we played the sound of the train right, right. Know, in stereo blasting through the motor center he was uh, absolutely fantastic um uh, but damian lillard has to be oh brandon roy I mean, you remember those years, oh, yeah. you know, oh my God. And, you know, talking to guys like LaMarcus and Brandon, who were so humble uh, and, and just so down to earth, it's everything you would want in, in a star player. Uh, and so uh, it was a pleasure to introduce Brandon Roy, you know, things like that. <laughs> so, uh, but, but Dame has to be uh, probably the one I'll always remember because of, of the absolute theatrics that, you know, we have seen the fireworks we have seen over and over again from Damien and, and his teammates. Lastly, uh, a lot of uh, choices here as well, but uh, was there a particular Blazers team that, uh, that maybe uh, was uh, near and dear to your heart that you experienced maybe the most excitement? Calling well, the, game the year, yeah, absolutely. That was the year we uh, we almost went to the finals uh, when we lost to L.A. And that, uh, you know, you remember it. Oh, no, sure. Uh, yeah. I traveled down to L.A. because I, I knew we were going to win that game. And and I sat inside Staples Center and we had a 20 point lead, you know, late in the third quarter. And I made the mistake. I made the mistake of thinking ahead, saying, you know, okay, we're going to go to the finals. And I think, you know, we're going to play Indiana. I think it was yeah. Indiana. Indiana, yeah, Indiana. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to play Indiana. Game one would have been here in Portland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'd have had the home. And this team will just lick the plate clean on Indiana. <laughs> Why did I think that? Why did I do that? Why did I jinx You weren't the only one. You weren't the only I, one. Oh, man. Uh, but so I'm sitting there in Staples Center. And at the end of the third quarter, I think it's Brian Shaw sinks that three on the at the no, buzzer. Thanked it in, thanked it in. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like going, oh, you know, okay, we're all right now. It's still like 18 point lead, and then it just melted down from there, just absolute meltdown. And I'm sitting here watching a nightmare unfold. And I know back at home, people are watching it inside the Rose Garden, the then Rose Garden on the big screen. 
And it got so bad that, I don't know, with about four minutes left in the game, I said, that's it. I, I can't watch. You know, we'd lost the lead. And, uh, Kobe and Shaq were doing their antics, you know, Shaq doing his airplane thing. And I, I left uh, and I went out to my rental car, which I parked on the streets of L.A. around Staples Center. And to add insult to injury, I get to the car as a fat $50 parking ticket. On. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I drove straight to the airport, got on a plane, came home that night. And, uh. Uh, I mean, just, you know, oh, my God. You know, yeah, it was what a, a it was uh it was definitely a, it was definitely a, a moment to uh, unfortunately that you can't ever forget, but not for the right reasons. Uh, and yeah. and somebody somebody had given me some information right before the fourth quarter started about when tickets were going to go on sale for the first two games of the finals the next day. Oh. And, and and I and I, I said, so get that away from me. I mean, we we don't have this thing clinched yet. And I got really I got really upset. I thought, I thought this jinx the whole thing. And I told Mike Rice uh, during one of the last timeouts when we were going to win. I said. I should have run on the court and got arrested. Did, did something to break up the momentum of this game. I mean, I, yeah. you, know, I mean you start thinking, what can I do at such a helpless position as somebody watching a game that has no control over what's happening? But you feel like, you know, as, as a fan, as somebody who's, who's rooting for this team, who's convinced this team, there's no way they can lose, but they're, it looks like they're going to lose. Can I do anything to change this outcome or change the flow of what's happening? And there wasn't anything that could be done. And yet, uh, Oh, it's a, it's a game that uh, will unfortunately live in infamy. And yeah, you know, see, I uh, Brian, I I could leave. You could. You I had know. to That's stay right. there. Right. Had it to was stay painful. There. It was and very painful. It. And let me tell you that I remember driving the next day. Whether it was the next day or the first day of the of the NBA Finals, I was driving to the Memorial Coliseum for the Rose Parade, uh, which why I was uh, MCing at the time, and it was raining. It was just dark and dank and and just cold and i thought wow what a fitting moment what yeah. a fitting moment for a, you know our not being there is uh, the lakers go on i just uh, it was very frustrating and the best story i had about that whole experience was our team chaplain Alec, who i know you've met uh, uh yeah. great great man team chaplain for the blazers for lots of years michael thompson in fact uh was the one that got him uh, involved in, in that very role when the team didn't have a team chaplain but I remember calling him the day after uh, we got back and I was really having trouble still uh, never been a great loser anyway, but I was really having trouble processing the disappointment of, of losing that game. And so I said, well, I'll call Al. He'll make me feel better. He always does. And so I said, Al, the toughest thing I have going about this whole thing is I don't understand why God would allow Phil Jackson to be successful. I mean, here's a man who uh, is such a poor loser. He's, he's always, he's a spoiled guy. He's, 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 he's divorced his wife to go and, and uh, take off with the, with the daughter of the team's owner. You know, and I figured at any second, he's going to stop me and say, now, wait a minute. Now God has more important things to worry about than who wins a basketball game, but he let me keep going. And, and, and yeah, I've come up with all these reasons why it just was unfair. And like, I will let this happen. And so I got to the end of my soliloquy and I, I waited for his answer to make me feel better. And he said, you know what? I've been asking myself the same thing. And so I, so I, think, I figured if the team chaplain is asking, asking the good Lord, why he allowed that to happen. I guess I was entitled to, to put that question out there as well, but, uh, but yeah, even I, he didn't have an answer for me. Yeah. I find it interesting that you were saying in your mind, Jake, is there anything I can do? Because I've had that go through my mind too, you know, sitting courtside and I've got sure. the microphone. I, I have some power. I, you know, I would think, and I do it all the time. You know, that's why when, when other players go to the line, you know, I'll, I'll slow down my, my you know, I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, whoever, Wesley Matthews at the line, shooting two, 
you know. <laughs> so that might be where you're talking right when they're about to shoot. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, well, that's you, know, you can't do that. The league doesn't like you to do that. Right, right, but right. I, you know, if it happens, sometimes it happens because they're shooting fast. But you know, those are all things that you know. I go, I go. You know, if I can shave a point or two off that way, <laughs> could be the hey. difference in the game. But I know, you know what? It it really doesn't make a difference. It's the players, and uh, and these guys, uh, they're such professionals. And, you know, they're, you know, who knows what's going through their mind. I sometimes wonder if they even hear me, you know, out there because, you know, they're, they're just laser focused. Well, we all like to feel as a family or as family and friends and fans of, of, of our team, that there's something that we could possibly, we could possibly do to, to impact the outcome. Um, right. I'll leave you with this. Um, you've battled hard to overcome the health challenges that we talked about the last few years. You're still, a very young man in my, in my uh, estimation in many respects, but uh, have you thought about how long you'd like to continue as the Blazers voice a motor center, hopefully for a lot of years uh, to come, but, but have you well, even put any, any thought into that? No, I haven't put any thought into it. And really I'm year to year, basically it's however, you know, long they want to keep, me. you know, if, if they come up and said, Hey, we want to go a new direction. Totally understand, man. I've had 25 shots at it, you know, so I can't see uh, him doing that. So, so let's, let's discount that possibility. So, so okay. it's going to be up to you then. So, so hopefully if your health stays good, then you'd like to continue your voice still sounds oh. as, as effervescent as ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would not be a problem. Have you allowed yourself to dream about what it would be like uh, to do the PA for a world championship clinching game at Moda center? I, I already did during that Lakers game back in when I was in LA. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we, we know how that happened and you learn something long. Don't do that. Well, I guess the difference between dreaming and maybe uh, jinxing, I suppose. But, uh, but I think yeah. it's okay. It's okay to dream, and I think I yeah. Think, well, uh, you know, we're the Western Conference Finals. You know, against Golden State. You know, I thought, wow, you know, with, with the right things happening, we could we could be in the finals. Yeah. It could happen, but you know that uh, again, you, you just not until it actually happens. I, I'm just I'm willing to be patient. Well, before I let you go, tell everybody how they can follow your your daily uh, contributions on radio and also how they can follow you on Twitter. And of course we know that coming to a blazer game, which hopefully fans are going to have the opportunity to do now more than they have for quite some time. They know they can catch you on PA at motor center, but, uh, but how they can uh, follow your thoughts on Twitter and also catch you on the radio. Well, on Twitter, it's at Mark Mason PDX. And I got to say, I'm not a really, you know, into social media all that much because I, I it, my personal opinion, social media is being corrupted these days. Uh, but uh, I like to uh, share with you my my thoughts in keeping with my centrist uh, feelings about things. Now, the radio show is at uh, KEX 1190 a.m. from noon to three, which is easy enough to follow. And Mace, then, of course, uh, Mace, I know you have a you have a game to get ready for, so I don't want to keep you any, yes, any longer. Uh, the uh, finale of his homestand one week left in the regular season and then hopefully a lengthy run uh, in the playoffs and hopefully uh, lots of fans in attendance for them to uh, sample your wonderful talents and hopefully some great games for you to, to call and be a part of, but uh, thanks uh, for your friendship. I'm glad to hear that your health is uh, in a good spot and hopefully going to continue to be there because you've had enough challenges to last, uh, uh, last a while. So I think you have some good luck coming in the health department. I certainly hope so. And uh, please keep doing the wonderful work that you do. Thank you for your friendship and thank you for being a part of the program today. Well, wheels has been a pleasure and uh, I hope we can do it again. The voice of Moda Center, Mark Mason, joining us here on this Believe in Blazers podcast, brought to you in part by Bet Online. Wednesday again, Brooke Olsendam will join us. We'll be talking about uh, tonight's matchup with Houston and also preview a couple of very important back-to-back road games for the Blazers 
in this final week of the regular season still to come. I'm Brian Wheeler. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the podcast, and we'll join you again on Wednesday. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.